are like the dreamer who dreams and then lives inside the dream. Welcome to episode one of Sneaky Peaks. Well, first a numbered version of Sneaky Peaks. And, uh, the first I guess this is less sneaky. I snuck it on you. We're not sneaking it on the listener no, so much. Th- this is the first standalone Sneaky Peaks. Yeah, the first episode of our comprehensive <laughs> Twin Peaks podcast. Well, that, uh, I, I wonder if we should then be calling it like Obvious Peaks or something. <laughs> obvious Peaks. Obvious Peaks. Peaks and troughs. Uh, or maybe there's something to do with Troughs peak. being the second half of season two. Maybe there's something to do with peaks, like peaks of achievement, peaks of peaks of uh, human experience. Just having a little peep. Uh, we could call ourselves the Peaking Toms. <laughs> we could. Sneaky Peaking Duck. Sure. Uh, no, no names are good. No. Is, is what I'm learning <laughs> from my experience in trying to find a name. Ah, so this is, uh, I, I kind of snuck this up on you uh, at the end of our last episode I reveal to you my master plan to mm. trick you into watching Twin Peaks. Yes. So now you have seen the pilot episode of Twin Peaks. I have seen episode one. The pilot. Well, no, sorry. You haven't seen episode one. I've remember. seen episode zero. <laughs> yes. Of l- popular animated sitcom <laughs> Twin Peaks. And I showed you, look, for the pedantic people out there, I showed Nick the American version of the pilot. I considered showing you the European cinematic cut of the pilot just to really fuck with you. Because that one is longer. It's about half an hour longer. Oh, it was already so long. It not only contains everything we just watched, but it also wraps the whole thing up in a way that would have been confusing, I think. Okay. Like, it is basically a movie. Sure. So, the extra half hour is all conclusion. Right. And it, um, basically that night, Lucy makes a phone call. It's like, hey, I just remembered this thing. And then some stuff happens and... It kind of reveals a lot of stuff. It's still very confusing. Then it ends Look, I don't 25 wa- years in the future. I don't want to rely on a trope from Pods in the Key of Springfield, the other podcast we do. And what's that one about? Uh, that one's about um, uh, uh, David Lynch-directed animated sitcom <laughs> The Simpsons. Uh, and which one's Bart in that show? Well, see, that's what I wanted to ask. Which okay. one's Lucy? And I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to do my which one's Bart. Uh, Lucy is the, uh, the, the woman at the sheriff's office, the receptionist. Oh, Samantha Stanky. Yes, yeah, Samantha yeah, Stanky. Okay, cool. So we've got, yes, okay, that makes, uh, okay, right. Yeah, played by Samantha Stanky. I go into that without being fully sure of her name? I've seen her. Kimmy Robertson. Oh, Kimmy yeah. Gibbler from Full House. Kimmy Gibbler from Full House yes. playing Samantha Stanky from The Simpsons playing Lucy from Twin Peaks. Yes. Yes. Very good. Well, I'm glad we sorted that. All right, so look. People have listened to this podcast, this podcast being Pods in the Key of Springfield and this one being Sneaky Peaks within Pods in the Key of Springfield, know that I, James, uh, quite like Twin Peaks. Bit of a fan, you might say. I have maybe expressed an appreciation of Twin Peaks in the past. Is that fair to say, do you think, Nick? I have a really dumb idea. Okay. I don't know if you're aware, but you know um, how... My favorite murder. They got Paul Holes involved, one of the guys that did. Yeah, I'll be gone I listened to that episode. Yeah, and then in the My Favorite Murder feed, they've just put up an introducing Murder Squad with Billy Jensen and Paul Holes. Sure. And then it, as, as well as having the episode in the My Favorite Murder feed, they've started up a new feed for Murder Squad. Sure. Should we start a new feed for Sneaky Peaks? 
<laughs> and make it a standalone podcast that we only do one episode of <laughs> to ruin our numbers and cause you headaches. Uh, I mean, I guess we'd need to get one of the free plans. I mean, we could. Maybe uh, I'll release that as its own thing and put it up in this feed. And put it up in this feed. Yeah. And just see how put many... Put it up it- on, like, Wookasha and just see yeah, how see, it goes. See how many it gets in the standalone feed. Maybe but I will anyway. do that. Maybe. That'd be weird. But maybe <laughs> I'll do it anyway. That'd be very weird. Imagine if it was more successful than Pods in the Key of Springfield. Imagine like, immediately. Pod- imagine Pods in the Key of Springfield doing something weird. <laughs> imagine. <laughs> so, anyway, let's talk more about Twin Peaks, this thing that is definitely related to The Simpsons. So, my... Uh, okay, so... Obviously, I've said a lot about Twin Peaks on the show before. I've gone on and on about Jow Day, etc., who is not mentioned at all in this episode or, like, any of the episodes that follow it. But anyway... Uh, I am, I guess, more interested in what you made of all of this, Nick, than I am in spouting my own views. All right. Um, uh, it was all right. It was all right. It was all right. Ah, that's better than I was hoping for <laughs> in my wildest dreams. Um, weirdly, all of my- uh, You I seemed mean, so furious <laughs> when I showed you the Blu-rays. I know. Is, I was really- my plan. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was all right. Uh, all of my commentary, as you would come to expect from me, all of my commentary does not does not actually relate to the content. It relates <laughs> to like my tangential feelings around the content. For the record, we took no notes here either, which I kind of like halfway through. I'm like, maybe I should have taken some notes, but yeah, whatever. I, I've still got all the, I've got all the things I want to say in my head. Sure. Um, so the first thing I want to say is uh, something that I've come around to recently is dramatic depictions of grief. Yes. Because the grief at the start of this, um, especially from Laura Palmer's mum, yep. whose name I do not remember. That um, is Zaza Gabriski, I believe is uh, the actress's name. Editor James here. It's uh, Grace Zabriski. Come on, James. You know better than that. Excellent. From Seinfeld. Yes. Um, so, the her grief I is- Sarah Palmer is the name of the character. I hope I'm getting that right. Sounds about right to me. Yeah. Um, but in this, and in, in lots of- bits of content that I've glimpsed now and then. Yeah. Um, grief is played as weird and awkward and angular and people go from staring at the wall to just like screaming suddenly. Yeah. Um, and those used to really irk me. Yeah. Until, and I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this. Yes. Because we have both in recent years been through uh, incredible amounts of grief with- yep. Uh, we each had a parent pass away very young and unexpectedly. Yep. And um, it's real. It, since that, I've mm. come around to these depictions of grief because the thing mm. is, grief is an extremely unhinging experience. Yep. Things you do generally do not make sense. Yeah. And that's fine because grief doesn't have a rule book and everyone yeah. just does it their and own the way. The weird thing is, like when you're going through it, like the things that you go through. They make sense to you for very specific reasons, I yes, found. It was yeah. always like, I would always, like, everything I did and thought of, like, I know exactly why I'm thinking and feeling this, mm. but it's probably only really going to make sense to me. I, Just, I noticed that too. There yeah. was there was a lot of um, moments, of, uh, I, I think I did more self-reflection in, in, mm. in the initial weeks when the grieving was the strongest. Yeah. I was doing more self-analysis and self-reflection than I've done at any other point in my entire existence. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because it was stuff yeah. like, well, yeah, if anyone sees me staring at the wall for 45 minutes, they're going to think it's strange. But right now, the right thing that mm. I need to do is just sit here and stare at the wall for 45 yep. minutes. Yeah. Um, so, that was the first thing I noticed is is the how I think 
five or six years ago, those depictions of grief would have really put me off and it would have started off on a very bad foot. Sure. Um, because I think uh, from what I've absorbed from you of Twin Peaks and broader David Lynch is that a lot of it is hinging on uh, awkwardness almost to the point of being cringeworthy, but not cringeworthy in a Hamish and Andy type way, cringeworthy in a, oh, there's a lot of tension. When the fuck is the tension going to be resolved? There is a lot of tension. A lot of tension. And I think previously the depiction of grief would have really put me off on the wrong foot, whereas this time I actually empathize with it, I think. Well, I feel like one thing that I love about this pilot and about Twin Peaks in general is that it really does sort of luxuriate in its emotions. Like, uh, it really marinates in, like, how bad this experience is for the whole town. Like, it really treats, like, the death of this one person as a Mm. world-shattering event. And, like, the series going forward sort of becomes about that to some extent in ways that in season three become extraordinarily interesting. Some of the stuff they're doing, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but uh, this is like, this is such an empathetic episode of television. Mm. Just the way the grief of the entire town is taken seriously and like, depicted as a, the way it is. You know, I feel like you don't see that in television very often. Was that a much more in-depth first comment than you were expecting from me? No, that's kind of where I was hoping that's we'd where go, you're yeah. gonna go. Okay, cool. Because my second point is... The thing is, like, this is... Look, in my opinion, this is extraordinarily good. And I sure, think it sure, is, sure. Uh, you know, even if you're not a big content hound, because I am the content dog, as you, you know, as we've well established, that is the term we've been using, yeah. No time. Yeah. not my content dog. Well, we never want to no friend of mine. Twin Peaks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sneaky Presley. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, here's a thought about Elvis Presley. I caught, um, I was uh, flicking through TV and they were playing the music video for Return to Sender. Oh, yeah. I think it might have been, because I reckon that's from one of his movies. And I think I tuned on at the time. And like, man, so story of Return to Sender, right? Yep. He sends an envelope to a woman that doesn't want to hear from him anymore. Uh, an envelope with a letter inside it. And, <laughs> Just and an envelope. She she tries in several instances to return it back to him. And then he goes around and then hand delivers it to her because this time I know she's fucking got it. Right? Elvis, take the hint, back yeah. off. But also, return to set. Uh, so, so in the, into the chorus, it goes, She rode upon it. Return to sender. Address unknown. All right, covered. No such number. All right, calm down. No such zone. What the fuck? What, what is zone? <laughs> Are you? Is she denying the entirety of the postcode that he sent it to? <laughs> um, and it keeps going. There's a second chorus where he expands on it even further. And I'm like, how? Normally, I just write RTS and then circle it so that the postie gets what's going on. She's written a, a, a book, a thesis about the nature of addresses. And the transitory nature of existence. See, Nick, this is kind of what I expected it to be more like. <laughs> yeah, okay. but my 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 Presley second, just uh, my second point about Twin, sick. about Twin Peaks. Yep. So this was early nineties, late eighties. Late, I think it's eighty nine. Sorry, I didn't mean to spring. Eighty nine. Yes. Eighty nine. Yep. Editor James here again. It was nineteen ninety. Uh, come on, James. You're meant to be an expert. That's why you did this. Uh, get it together, son. Okay. So when we see. Uh, Laura Palmer, and then yep. they roll her over, and we see the the face of the of the dead little girl. Yep, the extraordinarily iconic face. Yep. First thing I thought was, "Whoo!" In eleven years from now, that's going to become a look 
Because I don't know if you remember the pop look of the early 2000s, but it was very much frosted face, blue frosted lips, all very kind of metallic tones. Very much so, It reminded me of like the Bardo film clip for Poison, um, weirdly. Uh, uh, Yeah, and I I had one of those weird moments where I go, oh shit, were people... Was that start? Did that start with an underground group of people making a reference to this pop culture thing by mm. using frosted blue lip gloss, yeah, and then it of- eventually turned into a mainstream thing? Or is it just a coincidence that ten years prior to that look becoming big, mm. there was a cult hit that prominently featured that exact look? Yeah, because the sort of like uncomfortably beautiful corpse is a large part of the iconography of. Uncomfortably Beautiful Corpse sounds like a uh, Nick Cave album. <laughs> yeah. Nick Cave and the Bad Siege, the Uncomfortably Beautiful Corpse. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. I was thinking more like Placebo, maybe. I don't know. Oh, I'm not going to sing Placebo again. Again. No. <laughs> um, fucking. Also, around that period of time, like I'm not sure when the first DVD release of Twin Peaks happened, but the show was largely inaccessible for a long time. Uh, around, you know, like, between its release and its the eventual release of, like, the good DVD box set that came out about 2011-ish. Is there a bad DVD box set? Uh, there's a lesser set, and even then, like, season one came out, and then season two came out, like, three or four years later. I see. I didn't see most of the show until the good set came out in about 2011-ish. I'd seen season one, hadn't seen season two yet. Sure. Yes. All right. Yes. Um... Do you want me to just keep running through the points that are in my head? Yes, I do. Because they they might jump around a bit. The next yeah, that's po- fine. It'll the- just spark things in me. You know, right. our listeners haven't necessarily watched Twin Peaks. Sure. <laughs> uh, the next point I want to make is that uh, Big Ed's gas farm, Big Ed, the the, the petrolman, yes, the service stationman, Ed Hurley, my best friend. I have a feeling that if I was a rural American uh, service stationman. I would be absolutely browbeaten by how many favours I have to keep for people. (laughs) Hey, can you pass this note on to Jill? Hey, if you see Steve, can you tell him I said hi? Hey, if you see Jane, can you tell her that I've got Jill's note because you gave it to me? Like You've got to fix the drapes as well. There's so many favours you have to do for the town folk. It's like, oh, can you see, uh, when you see James, can you tell him I said hi? Go find James yourself. <laughs> the town has 51,000 people, fewer than the turnout of the AFLW Grand Final, by That's the way. True, yes. Which made me really happy. <laughs> um, uh, for some- See, that made me happy because I felt like it really would have contextualized for you very specifically how small this town is. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because we sat in a crowd smaller than that town. Yes. Um, uh, well, bigger than that town. Bigger than, yeah. bigger than that town. Yeah. Fuck. Um, yes. Uh, uh, and so, imagine... Actually, here we go. That contextualizes my point quite nicely. Imagine one hot dog vendor at Adelaide Oval with 53,034 people, <laughs> and everyone's going up to the hot dog vendor saying, if you see Bobby Sue, can you tell Bobby Sue that he's a fuckwit? Uh, it's like... Oi, oh, Bobby! Oi, Bobby! <laughs> You're fuckwit! And then the next person comes up and says, oh, can you just remember that Sarah's allergic to mustard? So that if Sarah comes by and gets a hot dog later, you don't give her the mustard. Um, you'd be exhausted. <laughs> yes, you? you would be. Yeah. And so the- meanwhile, you're having an affair with the woman who runs the diner. Everyone appears to be having an affair. Yeah. At one point, you turned to me and said uh, about um, Sheriff Truman and Josie, like, are they, are they fucking? I'm like, everyone's fucking, Nick. Everyone's they all fucking. fucking. Oh, oh, Nick. Nick, I've got news for you. Everyone's fucking. 
Although this, like, the first episode does a pretty good job, I think, of unfolding what I'm pretty sure is every affair <laughs> running throughout the show. I, mean, I don't think there's another one that gets introduced in the next episode. I think that was all that was of it. them. There might be like one or two that they missed, but that's your blooming lot. That's your blooming lot for the week. Yeah, is it? Um, uh, is it integral to any of the stories that everyone's having an affair, or is that just small country town depiction? Uh, it's pretty important. There's, uh, I mean, every character gets a subplot. They don't every character always, gets a subplot. They don't all tie into the murder of Laura Palmer. Mm. But, uh, you know, sort of the model that Twin Peaks is based on, essentially, is the soap opera. Because that was sort of the predominant, you know, one of the predominant TV models of the time. So it is quite soap opera-y in a lot of ways. Sure. Especially in the way all the characters be fucking. You know, I caught some Bold and the Beautiful the other day. Yep. I was in a waiting room and there was a TV on. And I was just watching the Bold and the... And it, uh, there were no... There was no audio, but there were subtitles on. Sure. I haven't seen any Bold and the Beautiful since about 2011. Yeah. The majority of the actors are still the same. Ridge is still going? Ridge is still there, yep. Uh, the people that plays Steph is still the same. Sure. The one, the uh, the the cute one. Who's the cute one? Katie. Katie's the same. Katie. Um. Uh. It was amazing. I was just I was flummoxed because I. It's one of those things where I remember the first time I ever saw Bold and the Beautiful. The first thing was the part of Brooke is now being played by, and then it was some <laughs> different actress, and I was like, oh, that's interesting, different actress, but keeping the same character going. Wow, they must have very long, intricate storylines that they simply cannot afford to lose a character. <laughs> and then, what, 18 years later, that character is still in it and being played still by the same person, Just surrounded, a by, to- <laughs> surrounded by all the other characters being played by all the other same people, And which interestingly comes back to Twin Peaks in a way, because didn't they reunite 25 years after the original Yeah, thing? the new season. Uh, I don't think they recast... Ah, uh, there was some very mild recasting here and there. Like in the movie, Lara Flynn Boyle doesn't come back, and they cast some other actress to play Donna. I forget, but yeah. Oh, Lara Flynn Boyle. Flynn Boyle was Donna. Yes, right. And then like a bunch of actors died, and every now and then, like David Bowie was dead. They had to recast his character. Which one was um, uh, Sherilyn Fenn? Sherilyn Fenn is the uh, the mysterious schoolgirl hopping around the uh, Great right. Northern creating mischief. Okay, so she's- like I said to you, they give her a better haircut in the next episode. Yeah, because because all I could think from from this pilot, Sherilyn Fenn, mm. were, pirate Sherilyn Fenn was um, uh, the Ri- Rizzo from Greece. Rizzo, oh yeah, yeah. The- Rizzo the Muppet, yeah, got what? it. <laughs> <laughs> Rizzo the Rat. Yes. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, that wasn't a good Rizzo. Where's my Rizzo? Have I got a Rizzo? Uh, hey, I'm Rizzo over here. Hey. Uh, oh, this got- is the town of Twin Peaks. I've got no Rizzo. No um, Rizzo. But no, Rizzo from Greece. The, but I think that's the one with the, the black hair. In, sure. In, in that exact haircut. Okay, yes. I haven't seen Greece. Should I watch Greece? Have you not seen Greece? I haven't seen Greece. I find that surprising. Yeah. I mean, it's a shit film. People are always surprised whenever there's any movie I haven't seen. Which is funny, because there are too many movies, I can't have seen all of them. Yeah, but it, it's it's interesting that the movies that I think are generally considered to be childhood staples... I've seen none of them. You've seen none of them? Yeah. Because you haven't seen The Lion King. Well, I have seen The Lion King, uh, you were there with me. Yeah, I know, but you hadn't seen it as a child. <laughs> no. No Grease. I also think you haven't seen Sound of Music. No, haven't seen it. 
Yeah, that's interesting. So while everyone else is watching these movies that you have to watch when you're a kid, you haven't seen Mary Poppins either. Haven't seen Mary Poppins. Yeah, see, I, th- th- this is really fun because normally I'm the non-movie guy. <laughs> yeah. But I, um, anyway, but I haven't seen most of Disney's output. I think like yeah. most of the big ones. I might have seen The Little Mermaid. I've seen Aladdin. I saw The Lion King, age twenty-four. Snow White. Don't think so. Cinderella. Don't believe so. Cinderella's no good. <laughs> okay. Um, never saw Mulan. Never saw The Hunchback of oh, Notre Dame. I've never seen Mulan nor The Hunchback. So the Aristocats, but that's no good. Uh, no, neither's the Aristocrats. I've seen that one oh, <laughs> as well. Mar- <laughs> uh, yeah. No, there's a lot of um, the, a lot of movies around the Lion King that I did not see because I was so wholly Lion invested two, in the Lion King Lion that everything King else seemed three. like. A- uh, uh, Lion King 2 Return of Jafar that's a, that's a joke only for me <laughs> I've seen Aladdin 2 Return of Jafar so have I I think that was direct to VHS but didn't they make a, there was like a Lion seen... King like 3.5 or something it was yeah, just about that, Timon and Pumbaa uh, yeah uh, like about how they met it was like how Timon met Pumbaa Pumbaa's pride it was I think like how was Harry met Sally but with Timon and Pumbaa how I met your Pumbaa yeah now kids um, uh, yes like um, yeah I don't remember The Lion King 2 at all, but I know I've seen it. Ha, huh, what a time. What a time. <laughs> what do um, you think of Dale Cooper, everyone's favourite character? Uh, he was the lawman. Yeah, the he's FBI the, man. The FBI man. The guy he, kept saying, oh, I'm Dale Cooper over here. He looked really familiar. I'm from Philadelphia. Where do I know him from? Uh, Carl McLaughlin? I don't know. Oh, that guy. Yeah. The guy on your shirt. The guy on my shirt, yes. Right. Um... Although this is just the word Carl McLaughlin. It doesn't uh, contain any sort of picture of him. I need to paint a visual image. For otherwise, a- otherwise, I may have been able to <laughs> identify him more rapidly. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, what did I think of him? I don't know. I enjoyed the way that he seems to be working on another level. His character is a little different in the pilot, I think, from how he is in the rest of it. Like, he's a little spikier like when, he's, uh, sure. when he's interviewing Bobby. Like, he goes a little harder on Bobby than I... My image of uh, Dale Cooper in my head, you know, I, I feel like he's a bit softer. He's uh, he seems a little too easily distracted, and he gets in my head. He gets more invested in the case as the show is going on, because part of this whole thing is, you know, we get the the long drawn out scenes of you know everyone grieving for Laura and how awful this is, and you know we really like wallow in the grief, and then we meet Dale Cooper, who is like the most alive man on earth. <laughs> The most alive man on earth. Yeah, he's just constantly talking. He's buzzing with excitement over, like, food and coffee. And there's a... I remember somebody pointed out to me there's this ongoing thing about, like, how much he enjoys peeing throughout the show as well. Just, like, every human action fills him with excitement. And he's just uh, so in touch with, like, nature and mythology and just everything. He's just so alive. That's really interesting. Yeah. Because I did... I wasn't sure how I felt about his violent turns from like, hey, what kind of trees were those on the way in? The real big ones. And then the guy's like, oh, it's a Douglas fir. Douglas fir. Hey, can you take me to the dead girl in the morgue? And I was mm. like, whoa, fucking, that's a left turn. But yeah. I kind of went I feel into- like they, they figure the character out a bit more over the season. Yeah, but yeah. it's weird because I did go into this thinking, um, and you might not like this interpretation, but sure. from, from what I've absorbed via <laughs> osmosis, I did go into it thinking David Lynch is going to do everything to make sure that I'm uncomfortable while watching this. And so <laughs> any of those left turns, I was like, yep, all right, cool. The idea is that I'm meant to think this guy's weird. And so I was taking it on like, sure. a second level. 
The thing is, like, I mean, Lynch does do that, but like, eventually, like, he, it takes some time. Oh, so this it's, is so this is not as spiky as as Twin Peaks becomes. Well, like the first episode, basically the first season and a lot of the second season is, you know, pretty easy watching compared to what will come after. Like the movie's intense and upsetting, and then the is new that a series. With me? Yeah, yep, that's hard going. And then the new season that came out in two thousand and. 17, which, as I have said on this show before, I think is the greatest season of a dramatic TV show I've ever seen, is uh, much more, much weirder, uh, much spikier, harder to, like, he's very purposefully doing things that he knows will upset certain fans or, Mm. you know, like, kind of pushing back against, like, the iconography and, like, the pop cultural impact of the show in a lot of ways that I don't want to spoil on this podcast. Sure. uh, Really super interesting stuff. Okay, when you say it's the best uh, series of a dramatic TV show, yes. have you considered Mike and Molly? Oh, I've considered Mike and Molly all day and all oh, night. Okay, I've cool. never seen it, but I've considered it. I've, I've, I'm just making sure. What is Mike and Molly? <laughs> uh, that was the one with the two overweight comedians that were like husband and wife, and it was a yeah. bunch of jokes about, hey, look it's at that. Melissa McCarthy, later. isn't it? Yeah. She's quite good. Has she got on the show? I've never watched the show. Okay. To be honest, I- Is it a drama? My joke there, James, <laughs> yeah. was I'm going to pick the worst TV show I can think of. <laughs> and you picked a relatively acclaimed show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the original- the the original draft I had in my head. Let's peek into the curtain here, shall we? <laughs> the original draft I had in my head was uh, I was going to say, "Have you seen the first three and a half episodes of Shit My Dad Says before it got cancelled?" <laughs> and then I was like, eh, "Shit My Dad Says is already a punchline. I don't want to rely on a joke TV show." You don't like William my- Shatner wandering around uh, no. railing against millennials? No. Another thing about the young people is no. that I'm William Shatner. This is not what my voice sounds like. Heads up. Just, Who is this an impression of? Just for anyone listening, I'm not interested in any takedowns of millennials. <laughs> like, they're all wrong. Just feel free to take down boomers as much as you like, but don't take down millennials. Sure. That's a broad stance. <laughs> William Shatner, if you're out there, yeah. we're fucking coming for you. I'm not interested in your opinions, Bill. Oh, I'm William over here. Why do I keep doing this impression? Who is this? I sound like a big fish person. Like like a fisherman or like a person who is <laughs> like also a person a fish. who is also a fish. General Sherman. General Sherman. All right. Sneaky Simpsons. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. Um, so I've I've said three things that relate to Twin Peaks, and I three think things that might be where I tap out. Um, <laughs> uh, have you got any questions? Oh wait, no. It was something, sorry, something I will say. We've paused on a on a bit of the credits that says costume designer Patricia Norris. I've got an opinion about the work of Patricia Norris. She's a big fan of lapels. I think a lot of the coats in this have been modified to give them enormous lapels. At one point, the doctor? Yep. The, Dr. Jacoby or the other one? No, not Jacoby. The other one. Um, Donna's dad. Dr. Hayward. Dr. Hayward. Yep. Um, he is wearing a coat where the lapels are so enormous that the point <laughs> of the lapel is almost touching his shoulder. Like, and I was like, fuck, that's a big lapel. And I do not think that is a standard issue lapel. I think Patricia Norris has a thing for lapels. There was a moment that you laughed at very hard in the middle of that episode. Do where I they, remember? Where they walk into the, uh, the vault oh, where fuck yeah. Laura's uh, <laughs> keeping the, keeping the lockbox and there's a big deer head on the table. And they walk in and they say, oh, it fell off. Yeah. 
Because I yeah. walked... Oh, man. I didn't really understand what that scene was. Oh, I, you want to know why that's in there? So, I, I think, looking back on it now, the key they found in her diary yeah. was a key for a safety deposit box, and they went to get the contents of the safety deposit box. Is that yep. right? Yep. Yep. Excellent. Cool. And it's like a few thousand but dollars and ten thousand dollars. Yeah, uh, but I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. So they walk in, and there's a big um, uh, taxidermy deer head, stag head on the table, and I'm like, "Well, this is taking a fucking turn. What on <laughs> earth is this for? What room are they in? I don't know what's happening here." And then the way the attendant just says, "Oh." That fell. Yeah, <laughs> like well, you can was- see where it was mounted on the wall. But the great thing, the great thing about that scene is. That deer head was just mounted on the wall and it fell off. And David's like, let's just put it on the table, work into the scene. Oh, fuck. That's so good. Yeah. Oh, just like a- that earlier scene with the doctor who they ask him to leave the room and he tells them his name. Like, no, can you please leave the room, though? Which is just, that guy's not an actor. He was nervous. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> it's like, can you please leave us alone? Oh, yes. Ray. No. Can you please leave <laughs> us alone? I didn't ask what your name was. The, uh, uh, the scene at the end, the very end, where we see uh, Grace Zabriskie's character, Sarah Palmer, she's lying on the couch, and Sarah, she has the free couch, and we get the sort of like first-person perspective of the uh, hand reaching down and grabbing the locket out of the ground. Did you notice anything weird happening in the maybe in the corner somewhere in one of those shots? The corner? Yep. Of, of the shot of Sarah Palmer on the couch, or of yeah. the shot of... The, of her on the couch. If you go back and watch that scene again, you'll notice if you look in the mirror, there is a face reflected of somebody who should not be in that scene. And here's the thing. Can I grab the controller and rewind right now? Yeah, do it. All right. Swing the mic away. Yep. All right. Nick is going to rewind. All right. Where's the mirror? It's coming up soon. I see no mirror. Wait. When we... We'll cut to a... There'll be a wider shot of her. Yeah. Uh, okay. Apologies to anyone listening to this. It's going to get quite loud in a moment. Oh, hang on. I'll turn yeah. it down. Okay. Here we go. So, turn down. Turn down. There we go. Oh, that is brief. Yeah. Wait, it'll would, come back, I think. In how the, would anyone have picked that up in 90s television? One sec. On a tiny screen. There it is. You see the face in that mirror? I do see the face in that mirror. Long okay. hair. Let me tell you a little something about this face. We haven't seen anyone with long hair in this series so far this is the face of frank silver who was a set designer on twin peaks that was not meant to be the case that is an accident but because it was in the pilot david saw it and said well this guy's in the show now (laughs) and he becomes a major character because of the reflection of his face they have to integrate him there's a scene they're filming for the next episode where he was crashed down behind a bed and David sees him crash down. He's like, that's a creepy shot. We're putting that in the series. <laughs> okay. This Frank De Silva. That's not his Frank name. Silver, Frank yep. Silva. Yep. Frank De Silva is someone. Yeah, I think so. I think they're a Futurama producer. Potentially. Possibly even a Simpsons producer. <laughs> um, what like, do we know about the Simpsons, though? <laughs> literally, fuck all. Um, so, look. I don't want yep. to besmirch the good name of one... Uh, Frank Silver Esquire. Yes. But I reckon if you're the set designer, the fuck are you doing crouching down behind beds <laughs> during filming? <laughs> that is so out far, so far outside of his remit. Unless he was there to specifically... Well, he was helping to design... This was, like, not during a shot. He was just, like, down by the bed. 
David sees the image of him by the bed. It's like, okay, that's what Twin Peaks is now. <laughs> that's what the show is about. Wow. So this is like a happy accident that he just happened to be in the mirror in this shot. And David sees this like, well, okay, well, he's going to be a major antagonist in this show now. Oh, I kind of like that. But the... When he, when, yeah, I don't know. Okay, well... Because there's in the next episode, there is a shot that happened because David saw him crashing down, like, when they weren't filming. He's like, I like that image. That image is in the show now. Right. Yes. Okay, as long as they weren't filming. Because for a no. moment there, I was like, well... <laughs> no, he didn't fuck up twice. This is a happy <laughs> accident. He's standing... Mind you, he's standing in a very odd way yeah for, for a set designer why is he leaning forward like that why is the set designer invested in whether or not this person can scream <laughs> but um that's fine and then if he'd gone on to keep doing it it's like well you're taking the piss now frank. <laughs> uh frank you need to get out of my shot yeah you need to get out of my shot frank <laughs> and then we, we end up like you know frank just drags a camera down and then he's just fishing near a lake and he's like i think there should be a fishing scene in this <laughs> Yeah, television program. Well, in the uh, European cut of the of the pilot that ends up, you know, wrapping up the whole thing, Frank Silver ends up playing a fairly major part in that. Oh. As does the one-armed man we glimpsed very briefly I, in I, the hospital. I don't recall seeing a one-armed man. He was in the uh, he was in the elevator with Jacoby and uh, no, not Jacoby with uh, uh, Hayward and Cooper. And Cooper. Yeah, you very briefly see the one-armed man. I see. Philip Gerard. What a time. So, based on what we just watched, Nick, who do you think killed Laura Palmer? Um, What are your hot theories? You seem to think it was James at one point. Yeah, I was pretty convinced it was James. James Hurley. James Hurley. Who is sort of the uh, the punching bag of Twin Peaks. Yeah, because I just decided that that that's why you liked it, because you got to live out your fantasy (laughs) of being a killer. Jesus. Um, No, that's a joke. (laughs) Uh, I, I honestly... I I couldn't even put my my chips down. Okay, that's good because you would have gotten it wrong. Because <laughs> we haven't seen the killer yet. No, we have. Is it Frank Silver? It's not Frank Silver. Well, it's complex. It's complex. Silver. It's complex. <laughs> yeah, complex Silver. Frank's daughter. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Just um, the daughter of the set designer playing herself because she accidentally killed someone while filming, and, <laughs> and, and David Lynch said, "That's good. That's going in the film." <laughs> David Lynch is apparently Larry David in my mind. <laughs> okay, um, okay. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, do, you, do you want to tell we'll me... We'll leave it in. Do you want to tell me maybe off mic? Yeah, sure. Do, well, do, let's, let's just... What, you want me to push my mic away? And... I, I'd really like to know who did it, but I don't know if you want to spoil it on the thing. Yeah, you don't let's just to... have a discussion with when we're not recording a podcast. I'd really like to get the context for the rest of the discussion. Okay, so you want to like react to it. Even if you bleep it out. Right, there's a lot going on there, James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, let's say, um, look, this gets unpacked slowly but surely. Mm. And, uh, like, midway through season two, you have a pretty good idea of what's happened. And then you find out, like, a lot more stuff. And there is, like, a lot of, um, response to Twin Peaks 
as a trauma narrative and, you know, discussion about, like, how much of this is, like, symbolic and right. how much of this should we take at face value and a lot of stuff around all yeah. of that. You might want to pull the mic a bit closer to Sure. We eventually get a prequel showing the week leading up to Laura's death in the movie, which is hard going, uh, not David Lynch's best work, but a very intense emotional experience. Mm. And, you yeah, know, there's a lot here. Yeah. There's a lot to dig into. And then, like, in season three, you know, they really emphasize, like, the trauma of her death in really interesting ways. And, like, the, I think, the pop cultural obsession with her death and, like, needing to solve the mystery. And then, like, the lack of closure you get at the solving of a murder and that you can never bring the person back. Yes. There's a lot of stuff going on in Twin Peaks. I see. Yes. All right. And I think it's a good show, and I yeah, like it. That's interesting. And I assume you will never watch it again, but I made you watch the pilot, and you seem to not hate it. Yeah, that, I reckon that's a pretty good uh, That's a pretty good summary of it all. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You made me watch the pilot, and I seem to not hate it. Yes. <laughs> no, it was all right. Which is really I, the best I can hope for, I think, I, most of the time. I didn't hate it, but I don't think I'll be going back in for seconds. I okay. won't be going for another slice of that delicious cherry pie. Oh, oh, oh. Even though in the next uh, episode you get a nice little dream sequence with the backwards talking man. We could just watch that. We don't have to. I mean, part of me wants to know the context, but I also don't care. (laughs) Fantastic. I think it's one of those things where it's become so synonymous with The Simpsons now that I'm not sure I need the context of the original. So synonymous with The Simpsons. For me, anyway. Yeah, sure. Um no, I think for a lot of people, because that's... Is Chief that, Wiggum, don't eat the clues, the soup burns better, look. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, and the jagged carpet is in that as well. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, well, this has been episode one, probably the finale of Sneaky Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us on and this It'll go back to being a, you know, a sub-podcast within Pods in the Key of Springfield after this, I think. This is the pilot of Sneaky Peaks. Yes. Yes. <laughs> in the same know, way. The others were like the Tracy Ullman shorts equivalent, I guess. Yes, because they yeah. appeared within a broader show. Yeah. And this is a standout of... Yeah. This is like the uh, the Simpsons roasting on an open fire of Sneaky Peaks. Yes. Yes. So if any networks would like to pick us up for a whole season run, you know, maybe commission another 12 episodes. Uh, how would I... Would I do a Twin Peaks podcast if I was getting paid? Yeah, of course I think you I, fucking would. I, th- I think I would, yeah. It would take so little money as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally anything more than zero and, yeah. I'm, and I'm keen. <laughs> well, if anyone would like to commission that, maybe if we ever start a Patreon, that can be goal number one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, for patrons only. Yes, absolutely. Then we get episode two of Sneaky Peaks. If we ever do that, who yep. knows? No, this is episode zero. Okay. Because it's the pilot. <laughs> What about every week we just watch the pilot again? Oh, God. <laughs> the sneakiest <laughs> idea of all time. <laughs> we go to start watching The Simpsons Season 6 and I just put this DVD in again. <laughs> I actually, because we watched the movie earlier today, The Simpsons movie, I actually considered being really sneaky and just putting this DVD in and showing you this instead. <laughs> but I'm like, eh, no, it's fine. Uh, um. Informed consent is important, James. Yeah, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, this has been Sneaky Peaks, a show predominantly about Twin Peaks. A few digressions. Yeah. I, Much I'm, more focused than our usual shit. I'm surprised I stayed on topic so much. I think it's because I didn't want to be, you know, evil <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and shit all over the thing that you really love. I did consider going, like, off topic and just talking about The Simpsons primarily, but uh, oh, Nick's heading off somewhere. So, um... 
Let's see. Uh, well, my sign-off be uh, where I come from. There's always music in the air and the birds sing. No, I'm getting that the wrong way around. Oh, fuck. He's got a guitar. Uh, I feel like I know her, but sometimes my arms bend back. Woozer Wuzzle. Good at this song. Cast list up on my phone because I, I feel really like I'd be embarrassed if I've forgotten the name of any of the actors. I should have known from the T-shirt you're wearing that we were doing, <laughs> yeah. fucking Twin Peaks today. <laughs> Mind you, if it was if it's your T-shirts, it would either be starring Kyle MacLachlan, a Twin Peaks wearing, reference. Yep. It would be the zigzag carpet, a Twin yep. Peaks reference. Yep. It would be um, whatever that one about trans rights is, straighten up and fly right, whatever that is. Uh, fix, fix your, your heart or, or die. Yeah, which yep. I think is a Twin Peaks reference. Yes, it is. Or it would be uh, Spinal Tap Shark Sandwich Tour. Could be like a simple button-up shirt. Who knows? Nope, the, those are the only four shirts I see you in, and I see you <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I tend to rotate between our four shirts. Yes. 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 All right. Uh... All right, is there anything we need to like plan in advance for this? Or? Sneaky fun. Peaks, episode one. <laughs> yes, Sneaky Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize we were going to do the alternating yeah. thing, but you know so what? Of course we are. Let's do a fresh take. 